Well, welcome everybody. We are so glad that you're here and tuned in with us. Uh, welcome to those of you at our Ashley Park campus and for those of you watching online. We're really glad uh, you're joining in, uh, learning with us today. And last week, if you weren't here, we started off on a journey to discover what happy families know. And I want to quickly take you through what we learned last week because uh, the stuff that we're going to learn today actually is going to build off of that, and we're going to go one step further through this. I want to go go back and review a little bit, and by the way, if you're interested, all of this information plus what I'm going to be talking about today, you can find it in the notes section uh, of the website. It should be right there on your screen. You can go there and tap uh, that card, and you'll find all of that stuff there today. Now, we said last week that in every relationship, whether it be your family uh, or just any relationship that you have, uh, every one of us brings something with us into that relationship. And we said you can sort of think of it like, well, just like a box that you sort of carry in with you. And inside that box are all of your hopes and all of your dreams and all of your desires that you have for that relationship or for your family. In other words, you know, we have these things that we hope for, these things that we, uh, these amazing things that we dream about whenever we come into a relationship, all the things that we want out of our relationships. And so we organize our future, we organize the relationship, the, our, our relationship with these people or with this person, and we revolve it around those hopes and those dreams and those desires. And here's the thing about your hopes, dreams, and desires. I, I know you're a good person, I'm a good person, right? We try to do the best we can, and so those hopes and dreams and desires, they're not bad things. In fact, they're probably pretty good things, they're admirable kind of things. So it, it, we don't come at this from, from a negative kind of standpoint. But the problem is this. When we take our hopes, that box of our hopes and our dreams and our desires, and we, we take that, and oftentimes in a relationship or in a family, we'll hand that off to somebody else. And we'll say, look, I want you to help me fulfill these hopes and these dreams and these desires. And we said the problem with that is when you hand your box off to somebody else, what feels to you like good things, hopes, dreams, desires, they don't feel that way to the other person. They mostly feel like pressure, expectations, and it, and it becomes a negative thing between you and the person you're in relationship with. See, now it's, here's the things I'm expecting you to do. Here are the things that I'm uh, expecting you not to do. And what feels reasonable to me, because again, they're my hopes, they're my dreams, they're my desires, to the other person just feels like a box full of pressure, a box full of expectations. And we said that when I take that box and I hand it off to you or to someone else, and I make you responsible for my hopes and my dreams, well, now I've changed the relationship. I've changed the nature of, of the dynamic, the, the family that I'm in or the relationship I'm in. I've completely changed the relationship. See, now I'm, we're not parent-child. We're not husband-wife. We're not friends. We're debtors to one another. See, in that kind of relationship, uh, it's a debt-debtor kind of dynamic. See, now here's my hopes, my dreams, and I expect you to fulfill them. So now you owe me. And I expect you to come through on all of my hopes, my dreams, and my desires. And when you create this debt-debtor relationship, then something really tragic happens in a family or in a relationship. And, I, and I'll tell you, when I first heard this explained the way we talked about it yet, uh, last week, it, it was a revelation to me. 
It was, a, it was a major turning point for the way that I see family and relationships. We said that when you wind up with a debt-debtor relationship with anybody, then something becomes impossible. It becomes impossible for you to recognize unconditional love, and it becomes impossible for you to recognize gratitude. Because again, when it's just a debt-debtor kind of thing, when, when someone owes you something, and when they give you what they owe you, think about it. How grateful are you for that? Well, you're not very grateful. Why? Because you expected it. And it's no longer a gift. And see, it's hard to perceive something like that as love. And it's hard to be grateful for something like that. Uh, for example, when I pay my electric bill at the beginning of the month, and then the electric company keeps my lights on for another month, I don't write them a thank you note. I don't feel this overwhelming sense of gratitude. I, 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 just, I just move on with my life. Why? Because I expected it. Why? Because they owed it to me. I pay you, you give me what you owe me. So there's no gratitude there. There's certainly no love exchanged. I don't consider it an act of love. It's just a transaction. So last week we asked this question. We said, how do you keep that from happening? How do you keep a relationship, a family, from getting into this debt-debtor kind of dynamic with one another? And we said that the key is you start by asking the question, so what do I consider that you owe me? What does he or she really owe me? Get real clear on that. And then we said the, question, the answer to that question, if, you're, if you want to be a happy family, if you want to have a happy relationship, well, the answer to that question always is nothing. I, in fact, in a happy family, in a happy relationship, I come to the place where I feel as if I owe you everything, but you don't owe me anything in return. You owe me nothing. And we said that when two people can get this right in a relationship, that's when love grows. That's when the relationship thrives. Now, today, I want to get real practical on what this looks like specifically in a family. But as we said at the beginning of the series, this works in all types of relationships, all kinds of relationships that you find yourself in. These dynamics, these, these uh, kind of principles will work for you. I want to talk today about how we keep those hopes, dreams, and desires, everything that I have in my box, from becoming those pressure-filled expectations. Now, what I want to teach you comes from a letter uh, that was written by the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is one of the guys who wrote most of the New Testament, the newer part in your Bible. And he writes this letter to a group of Christ followers way back in the first century. And in this letter, Paul gives you what gives you and me what you might want to call basic house rules, family rules of how to get along. He addresses wives, he addresses husbands, he talks to children, he talks to parents. And he gives them principles on how to relate to one another. Now, you just need to know, these are not the only principles. They're just kind of like the foundational ones. They're the ones that sort of lie right at the bedrock of what makes for a happy family. And so you can boil these, these principles down to just a few short statements based on what Paul says. In fact, if you want to see them in your Bible, you want to follow along, uh, you'll find these in a book called Ephesians. Yeah, you'll find it at the end of chapter 5 and then right at the beginning of chapter 6. So let's read these, and i boil them down to the four major principles that he gives for how families need to relate to one another. Here they are. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. And fathers, or parents, we can include all parents in this, don't exasperate your children. Now, 
maybe you didn't notice, but in this list that we're looking at right now, uh, there's one of them that tends to be, well, a little more controversial uh, than the other ones are. And uh, if you didn't notice that, if you looked at them and you thought, well, I didn't see anything controversial in that, well, that's okay. That just means you're a man. Uh, <laughs> But I want to go ahead and get it out of the way. I want to just jump right into the deep end of the pool. And, and let's, just, let's just address the elephant in the room. Because one of those is really controversial. And of course you know it's the first one. Wives submit to your husbands. And the reason I want to address this right up front is because I know that for some of you here today. Things like this that you read in the Bible is precisely why you hesitate to embrace Christianity. I mean many of you have looked at this and you've said you know what. See, I told you, it's just a male-dominated kind of thing. It's oppressive to women. It's old. It's outdated. It, it just doesn't work in the modern world. Why would anybody buy into this? And, and you have some hesitations. And if that's you, here's what I want to say to you. First thing I want to say to you is, I get it. A and you're right. Far too many uh, Christians over the years have taken verses like that one, and they've used them to hurt and oppress women and and even if it happened one time it's too many times and so I just want you to know I get that and, and I understand that but I also want to say to you this if you're here and you've ever thought that or if you think that currently I'm really really glad that you tuned in today I'm really so glad that you're here because I believe when you look at these statements in their proper context in their proper historical context even I think you'll find something very interesting because when you read this in its proper perspective, this verse gives no one a license to oppress anyone else. In fact, it's actually the opposite. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that. Now, did you know that in the original language, when Paul is writing this, because Paul's not writing in English, he's, he's writing in uh, the Greek language. Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your husbands. Did you know that that verse actually doesn't have a verb in it? That's true. In fact, if you were to take this statement, this verse, and were, you were to translate it literally the way it's written, here's what it reads like. Wives, to your husbands, as to the Lord. That's exactly how it reads. Which begs the question, where did they get the word submit from? Where did it come from? Well, the truth is, it's there. It's just not right there. It's not in that verse. See... And, and I know you probably don't care about a lot of this, but it helps to understand where we're going. In the Greek language, a lot of times when writers would be writing, they would not necessarily use a ver verb every single time. They would pick up a verb from another sentence and just carry the thought through, and they would just sort of imply the verb. It, and, and a lot of times they would take it from the sentence that comes before it. That's exactly what Paul does in this verse, which again leads us to the question, so where did he grab the verb from? Submit. Where did he take that word from? It's in the sentence before that. So if you were wondering that, I'm really glad because we're going to look at the sentence before that because the sentence before that begins the entire section that Paul lists all of these house rules, these family rules, and that very first statement changes the context of everything that comes after it. So what's the sentence before Ephesians 5.22? Well, it's Ephesians 5.21. Let's read it together. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So let me see if I can pull all of this together for you to make sense out of it. Paul basically is saying this. Look, let me tell you what the basic operating system is for families. 
Let's just lay the foundation out right at the beginning. Here's the basic rule for everybody in the family. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, he's saying, look, everybody needs to be submitting to everybody else. That's just the standard rule for families. No exceptions to this. Everybody gets in on it. Submission is for everybody. And then the rest of the stuff that Paul says after that is just application of what he said in the first statement. That's why there's no verb in verse 22. Because he's basically saying, look, look, everybody submit to everybody. Now, wives, to your husbands. And then he goes on and he talks to husbands, and he gets a little bit more specific when he talks to husbands. Now, why does he do that? Well, if you have to ask that, then you don't understand dudes. We don't do well with vague. We don't do well with implied. We have to have specificity, you know? So he gets real specific with the guys because we need it. And so he says, husbands. Love your wives. Here's what submission looks like for you. You need to love your wives in the same way that Jesus loved the church. To which every guy who's paying attention would read that and go, okay, so when Jesus went about loving the church, what happened to Jesus? Jesus got killed. Wait a minute, Paul. And see... Look, I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding this issue of wives submitting to their husbands, and there's way more to it than we have time to get into today. That's a whole other thing. But let me just say this. If you're a guy who holds on to this verse, and you use this verse as a way for you to get your wife or your significant other to do the things that you want them to do, to sort of mandate that they come over to your side and do exactly what you tell them to do, you just need to know you're mishandling God's word. You're doing violence to the scriptures because that is not the heart and the intention of what Paul writes, okay? I mean, you've missed the whole point. And, and besides, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. What's the first word in verse 22? Wives. You know what that means? Dudes, this was not written for you. That verse is not for you. Now, there is a verse that is written to you, and it comes right after that. It says, love your wife like Jesus loves the church. And Jesus literally laid down his life for the church. And in my opinion, that verse should keep you busy enough so that you don't have time to worry about the other verse. So we'll just sort of leave that there. Let's get back to the point that Paul is trying to make in this passage. He starts by saying, look, here's the key to all of it. The key to a happy family is, first, Mutual submission. Submit to one another. That's the deal. And then he goes on and he says, now let me tell you what that looks like for every single member of a family. What does mutual submission look like in a family? Well, wives, it means submit to your husbands. It, it means husbands, you got to be loving your wife the way Christ loves the church. It means kids, you need to obey your parents. And for parents, it means don't exasperate your children. That word just means don't provoke your children to anger. In essence... Mutual submission looks like this. It just means I lean in towards you rather than expecting you to lean in towards me. And it's something that we do together for one another. Because when you don't live that way and you don't practice mutual submission, you know what you're left with? You're left with, well, a game of tug of war, basically. It's like I'm over here and I've got a rope. And I'm holding on to my end of the rope. And, and on my end of the rope are my hopes, my dreams, my expectations, right? And so I'm going to pull my side of the rope and get you to come over here and to 
give in and do what I want you to do to, to fulfill my hopes and my dreams and my desires. And then there's somebody on the other side of the rope, and they're saying, no, I'm pulling my end of the rope, and you're going you're gonna to fulfill my hopes and my expectations, and I'm pulling on my side of the rope. And you wind up with just a tug of war. And I'm just pulling on one end, and you're pulling on yours, and you want me to come over to your side, and I want you to come to my side. Mutual submission says, no, we don't do that. Mutual submission says, I lean towards you. I don't pull the rope. I lean forward in your direction, and you lean towards me. Now, I want to teach you a question, one simple question. It's, it's, it's an idea, it's a principle that I think will change everything about your family. It's a literal game changer. Whatever family you're in right now, whatever relationship you find yourself in right now, this will change the relationship. Because here is a question that if you learn to live by this question and you learn to use this question, this is the practical application of what mutual submission looks like in a relationship in a family. This is the question that happy families, happy relationships always ask each other. Ready for it? Here it is. What can I do to help? What can I do to help you? In other words, how can I, what can I do to leverage what I have? What can I do to leverage what I, what I can do, what I have access to, for your benefit? That question, I am telling you, if everybody in your family this week would just ask everybody else in the house that question once per day, just one time per day, your family would never be the same. If everybody that you work with, everybody in your office, everybody at your job site, wherever you do your job, if everybody on that job would turn to everybody else and ask this question of one another, you'd love going to work. It changed the whole game, wouldn't it? This question is the bridge to mutual submission, and it is a game changer when it comes to relationships. It's essentially saying, I want to offer all that I am for all that you are. I want to I loan you me. What can I do to help you? In fact, here's what I want to do. I want us to say it out loud together. I want us to practice this because many of us need practice because we don't use this question very often. And I know for those of you sitting over at Ashley Park, it's going to feel weird to talk to somebody who's on a big screen like this. and you're gonna, you, you just need to get over yourself, okay? Because we're going to do this together because you and I, we all need to practice this. So I'm going to count to three, and we're all going to say the question out loud together. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. What can I do to help? See? It's not that hard. Now, let me just talk to a couple of groups of people that are in the room today. Let me talk to the students, kids in the room, because I know there's some junior high, high school students with us here today. I'm telling you, if you were to go home this week, and you were to start to use this question, you start to ask this question of your parents, you very well might have to pick them up off the floor every time you ask it because they will not be expecting it. And here's the good news. Students, you ask your parents this question, what can I do to help? They're not even going to have an answer for you. They're going to be so shocked they will not even have an answer for you. Or they'll just say, uh, nothing, I don't need anything. And then here's what's good for you. You get to go upstairs and continue doing whatever it is that you were doing, and you get credit for asking the question. I'm telling you, it's huge. And if you really, if you really want to score points with your parents, I dare you do this. 
say it in front of their friends. Like when your parents have some friends over for dinner and they're in the kitchen and they're getting things ready. I dare you, just walk into the kitchen one time in front of their friends and say, Mom, Dad, what can I do to help? They'll say, nothing, and then you'll leave the room, and I'll tell you what will happen next. Their friends will fall on their knees, and they will say, Oh, wise parent, teach us your secrets. We have failed. (laughs) They won't know what to do with it. Here's another one. Kids, students, when you start dating someone, You're eventually going to wind up going over to their house or meeting their parents or meeting their family or whatever. Whenever you go over to meet your significant other's parents, before you head off to the other room or go sit on the couch and watch TV or whatever it else is is you're going to do, I dare you, just walk into the kitchen and ask your significant other's parents this question. Is there anything I can do to help you? They will think you hung the moon. If you don't believe me, ask a parent. Parents, am I right? Of course I'm right. Because, see, and and this is so important, listen to me, students, right or wrong, isn't it true that most of the interaction between you and your parents winds up being about you? I mean, come on, a lot of your family's dynamic, a lot of your family's, it it revolves around your activities, your preferences, your friends, your space, your needs, all about you. And all I'm saying is, what if just one time every day you said, hey, mom, dad, Instead of you doing everything for me, is there something that I can do to help you? Change the dynamic, just for a moment. Trust me, it's a game changer. And parents, let me just say this, and listen. I get that depending on what stage of parenting you're in, the most, most part of your day is spent instructing your child and teaching your child and making sure your child's protected and they got the right boundaries and relationships and, and, and arranging all of that stuff to make sure your child is where they are and what they're doing what they're supposed to be. I get all that. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I've I, I done the same thing. I do the same thing. I'm a parent too, so I get that. And, but I want to challenge you. Just one time, every single day, once a day, find a moment when you can look your child in the eye And you ask them, honey, is there anything I can do for you today? Is there something I can do to help you right now? Can I leverage my wisdom? Can I leverage my power? Can I leverage my influence, uh, my wisdom, my time, whatever it is that I have? Not for me, not for my agenda and what I've got going on, but can I leverage that for whatever it is that you're doing right now? Because come on, parents, let's be honest. I'm going to tell you why this is so powerful. Listen, this question, if you ask it, will keep the conversations that you have between you and your kids from constantly going towards the negative. Because think about how much of your parent-child interactions have everything to do with what you've done wrong or what you're not doing or what you need to do or, or why didn't you. And how about just once a day, just once a day, you ask this question and it will remind your child, I'm for you. I'm here for you and I'm willing I'm available if you need me I'm here to help you it's a game changer let me talk to the ladies for a second and ladies I, I know that this is not going to be a shock to you when I tell you you already know this but if you ask your significant male in your life this question 
most likely he's going to give you the exact same answer because this is who we are as guys. He's going to say the same thing. He's going to say, nothing. <laughs> I'm good. I don't need anything. No, I'm good. I'm fine. Ask it anyway. Ask it anyway. And I'll tell you why. Because when you do, here's what you will communicate to him. You are communicating that you understand and you recognize that he carries a burden for you and for your family. And trust me, that matters. He'll say it doesn't matter. He'll act like it doesn't matter. It matters. Just knowing that you know that you don't expect him to carry that burden all by himself and that you want to be a part of that. I'm telling you, that matters to him more than you will ever realize. And finally, to the guys. Guys, come on. Look up here. Let's be honest. We don't like to ask this question. In fact, everything in you is fighting against asking this question, and I'll tell you why. It's because you're afraid. Oh, I'm not afraid. Come on. I'll admit it. We're afraid. And the reason we're afraid is because we're afraid somebody's going to answer it. And when somebody answers that question, it makes us be in a position of vulnerability. It makes us vulnerable. And listen, guys, here's why this is so huge for your wife, your significant other. Because a lot of times, she walks around and she is afraid to ask this question of you. She's afraid to ask for your help. Because when she does, even before she even gets it out of her mouth, she can already feel the tension building up. She feels the pushback. She feels that wall and the here's why I can't and here's why that's unreasonable kind of wall that goes up between us. But before you walk out the door in the morning, what if you just ask that question? Honey, anything I can do for you today? I anything you're involved in that I can help you with, that I can step in and provide some assistance? And here's what will happen. You have just opened the door. You have just torn down that wall. You have just taken what was tense, and you just relieved that tension. Because, see, that question says, honey, I am willing to use my time, my power, and my ability for your benefit. And that's what I want to do. This question, I'm telling you guys, it will change everything. Because it, it's the bridge. It's the bridge to mutual submission. And what happy families know, what happy relationships know, is that happiness only comes when we learn to submit to one another. When we learn to leverage our time, our abilities, our wisdom, our, our, our whatever it is that we have or we can do for the benefit of another people, of, of another person. It's when I learn to leverage me for us. And I'm telling you, if you decide not to do this, or if you just never learn how to mutually submit to the people within your family, you will never be happy. That's just the truth. Because see, when I won't submit to you, and you won't submit to me, you know what we're left with? All you're left with is, well, if she would just, then I'd be happy. If he'd just stop, or if he'd just remember, or if he'd just, then I'd be happy. And essentially, I'm pulling and pulling and pulling on the rope to try and finally wrestle control out of his hands or her hands and get them to come over to my side and do what I want and fulfill my hopes and my dreams and my desires and get them to do what I want. That's what you're left with. You're back to the tug of war. And don't you know this is true? Even when you've been able to do that, and some of us have, 
Even when you've been able to get them to come over to your side and do exactly what it is that you want. Isn't it true that you're still not happy? (laughs) I mean, you might be in charge. Oh, you're in charge. But you're not happy. (laughs) Because come on, let's be honest. When you choose to pull and force and manipulate everybody in your life to come to your side and fulfill your hopes and your dreams and your desires, and you refuse to lean in their direction, you refuse to ask the question, what can I do to help you and leverage me for you? What you're saying to your family, what you're saying to the other people in your life is, look, I am unwilling to be all in in this relationship. I am unwilling to be all in for this family. I'm unwilling to do what I can do for the benefit of all of us. And let's just be honest. Call that attitude exactly what it is. It's selfishness. And you and I both know, come on, how many, how many selfish people do you know who are truly happy in their lives? So, what can I do to help? That's a question that will always lead you to lean in instead of pulling on the rope. It always leads you to fight against selfishness, to lean towards submission, and ultimately, it is the road to happiness because happiness only comes when we mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, and that is so important. In fact, look at those last five words in that statement. I think that's where it all comes down to. I think that's the whole deal right there, and I'll tell you why. Because, see, I think, I think Paul was so brilliant when he wrote these words. Because, see, Paul already knew what our objections were going to be. Because you're already having that conversation in your head. You're already objecting. You're already giving me the what ifs inside your head. And I think Paul already knew that. What if, what if they're not worth submitting to? Oh, okay. You mean like how you weren't worth submitting to when Jesus came and submitted himself to you and he went all the way to the cross for you? You mean like that? Yeah, but, yeah, but what, if, what, if, what if I do this and, and they take advantage of me? Oh, you mean like the way Jesus was taken advantage of? Yeah, but what if I do this and, and they don't submit back to me and they don't come to my direction? Oh, kind of like the way you struggle to submit yourself to Jesus even, bef- even after he submitted himself to you? Kind of like that? See, those last five words, they changed the whole ballgame. Because see, now mutual submission has nothing to do with me. It's not about me. It's based on someone else. It's based on what Jesus has already done for me. This is how we love one another the way Christ has loved us. It's how we submit to one another the way Jesus submitted to us. See, this is just another one of those things that you just have to kind of decide whether or not you're going to do it. You have to make a decision. Do I want to keep doing the things I'm doing? Do I want to keep pulling on the rope? Trying to get everybody on my side and my agenda and my expectations and try to get everybody over this side. Or do I want to be happy? Happiness comes when I lean in. Less selfish people are just happier people. And less selfish relationships are happy relationships. But now I didn't need to tell you that, did I? I mean, come on, part of you already knew that before you walked in the door today. The hard part is this. Somebody has to go first. See, when we're both pulling on the rope, we both got our agendas and our hopes, dreams, and desires, somebody has to drop the rope first. And here's all I'm saying. 
Why not you? I mean, why not you? Somebody's got to lead. It might as well be you. So, okay, so, so what are you saying? Are you saying that I just shouldn't care about my hopes and dreams? I mean, because I still got my box. I mean, you're just telling me that it don't matter anymore. I should just ignore him. I just sort of get rid of him. But what are you saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. Because I get that you still have your box. And I still have my box. And we have our hopes and our dreams and our desires. And next week, Ed's going to be back with us. And he's going to talk to us about what do we do with that box? What happens now with my box of hopes, my dreams, and my desires? But for this week, I'll leave you with one last thought. And this wraps it all up into a nice bow. Happy family, happy relationships. Know that we put each other first by going first in an effort to be last. I'll say that again. Happy families know that we put each other first by going first in an effort to be last. So here's the challenge. Fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, siblings, grandparents, whoever you are to whoever's in your life, okay? Whoever you are to the people in your life, could you just do this once a day, one time, once every day? Ask the question. And I want us to say it one more time. Everybody, out loud, here we go. What can I do to help? Let's bow and I'll pray. Jesus, first of all, I want to thank you because there was a day when you went first for us. You came to the Father and said, Father, what can I do to help? And as a result of that question, you came to this earth and you lived a life that we couldn't live and you fully submitted yourself to us all the way to death on a cross. And it's because of that that we now have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. So now in that vein, in that spirit, I pray for all of us to do the same. That we would approach one another and submit to one another for your sake, out of reverence for you, Jesus. And that we would constantly live with that question on our lips and that it would become just the question we ask in our homes, in our workplaces, in our relationships. Hey, is there something I can do to help you? We pray this in Jesus' name for his sake and out of reverence for him. Amen. We'll see you guys next week for week three of What Happy Families Know. See you then.